0: Greg, man, what's, uh, what's been going on?
1: Talking to a lot of new agents. We've been extremely busy lately. We get our phones blowing up with all these guys coming off the captive world wanting to become independent agents. And it's, it's all day, every day, nonstop. But other than that, life's
0: fun. Life's fun. Uh, your, your, your corner of the insurance world is, um, fairly, um, fairly, um, manageable for you right now.
1: Yeah. It's going really good. Actually, we're, um, we, uh, as an aggregator, we have more opportunity today than we've had in a long time. Um just because there's so much disruption going out going on out there. Companies like farmers are creating a lot of stress for their agents. And um as a result, they're looking for a different way to make money, a different way to stay in the insurance business and be successful. And so we um we've always kind of been in that niche and we've really strengthened our position that to to help these guys out. And it feels good because we're helping guys kind of take the next step into uh in in their insurance career.
0: I mean, it's certainly uh, there. Would I guess there's probably never been a more exciting time to focus on those captive guys making that transition than than right now. Would, would that be an accurate statement?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and I started out in the captive world a long time ago. Matter of fact, I was a district manager at Farmers, and so I know kind of the stress and the pain that people go through. And and for years, it was there was pain there, but it wasn't unbearable. But I think for a lot of these guys, it's changed and. And, you know, the other thing I see, too, is that a lot of the people we have that are making that transition, that are wanting to become independent agents, they're young, they bring a lot of energy, they bring a lot of excitement, they bring a ton of new ideas. So, you know, they need us to help us figure out what they don't know. And then we kind of need them because they're bringing these a lot of fresh new ideas into the marketplace on how to grow an independent agency or how to run that independent agency differently than they've ever thought about running it in the past.
0: All uh, right. How long did it take you to to kind of um, ease the pain of getting out of that captive environment, Greg?
1: So I assume you're talking about when an agent decides to make that that transition. Matter of fact, I I started a conversation this morning with a with a with a lady that's got her independent. they got her. Hey, she has her farmers agency up for sale. Um, they're supposed to close on it at the end of this month, and uh, you know we'll have her up and writing policies from the time that she. That she shuts the doors on farmers and if she wants to start, you know, the independent process the next day, we can have her up and right in business within a couple of weeks. To have her fully up, running and functional usually takes about 90 days, uh, to have all the tools in place, all the things out there and all the, the, the carriers, especially the getting down to those more preferred carriers, having those guys in place, um, usually 90 days or so to get all those things done.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I guess, you know, from, from my experience in the insurance world, it's, I've always been on the independent side of things and to, to see it from the captive side, for, for me, it was always like, well, that's, that sounds kind of fun. But I mean, why would you only go with one horse? You know? Um, it's just it things like you would be, you would end up uh, running into too many dead ends. And I'm just curious, how often do you find that as the primary motivator? Um, within your own personal experience in, the, in, in that space, and obviously, you know, with the conversations you have every day,
1: right? Well, so I can tell you that my experience, and, and I'm going to back up just a little bit and share this. My experience has been that those guys that, that end up in a place like Farmers or State Farm, there's some advantages to being there because there's not a place to really learn how to sell independent, how to sell insurance on the independent side, yeah, um, and kind of learn the the you know, soup the nuts, everything you need to know. But these guys go to the captive world and they have very, they're very intense training programs to kind of get them, get them through that incubation period. Um, once they get through it, then they don't even realize kind of what the opportunities are on the outside. Um, but then, so, so right now, you know, it's usually revenue that drives it. So you look at a captive agent, they quote 10 pieces of business and they, they write one. Yeah, And the conversation we have is like, you know, 90% of the time you're practicing. You're not even doing the real game. You're practicing 90% of the time. Um And when people realize that, then they want to come to this independent side because now they can close seven out of ten pieces of business. But, you know, as these guys look at kind of where they were, and then when they come to someone like us, the things that they don't know that they don't know um are things like, you know, how do you manage your client data? Um, and we have those tools in place to help them with that and how do you you know how long does it take you know if a guy on their own wants to come out and try to get contracted with uh you know a dozen different carriers, it might take you six months to get all that done and then and and that's six months that you can't that you that you're having to invest your time in doing something other than selling insurance work on the relationship with your clients and that sort of thing um a the third piece that we do for them that they don't even realize is that when you go independent there's a lot of back office accounting work that you have to take care of. You have to reconcile a lot of things that when you're only selling like to your point while ago, when you're only riding one horse, you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have two dozen carriers that, that have sent you information and statements that have to be reconciled back to every month.
0: Yeah. Do you think, I, w- I was just curious of this. I mean, cause it does seem uh, that a lot of agents do start their careers in the captive world. Um, Is there any sort of feeling that, that, The captive companies are getting tired of, of being the training ground for independent insurance agents?
1: You know, that's a good question. And I don't, I don't know that I've seen or heard. Well, up until about a year ago, I don't think I've seen that. But in the last year, I think we've seen a transition and talking to some of these farmers, district managers and farmers agents, you know, used to, they would, if an agent left, they would want to bring somebody in. That was green to the insurance world, teach them what they wanted them to know, and then they would give them or sell them this book of business over time. And that's what they used to seed and start new agencies with. But I do think that transition is beginning to, to lean more towards, um, Nourishing and promoting and having bigger captive agencies and not doing that training ground piece hmm. uh, They're not taking on the the number of reserve agents with is like at farmers That's what they call them as what you used to see in the past
0: Yeah, I mean obviously there's the the big waves that were made last year with with nationwide coming in uh, You know going pretty much straight independent. Do you see anything like that? With any other big companies anytime soon, or do you think that uh, maybe we've kind of had the big fill for a little bit?
1: Well, I think the nationwide, um, the nationwide situation, because of their structure that they already had with, with having some independent agencies out there, um, and, and already having that independent agency presence for them to make that transition to go in to, to push all their captive agents to the independent side was a kind of a logical transition for them as a company. Um, I think that for for the other three that we run into a lot out there which is Allstate State Farm and Farmers I think those guys are going to probably try to hold really tight to their to their captive plans um farmers attempted the and I think they may still have some exposure in um independent agencies on the east coast but um I th- from what I hear they're going to hold pretty tight to having their own captive agencies and their own signs on the door um, I could be wrong, but I'm not seeing anybody that's gonna make a corporate decision to say, "Hey, you're all gonna go independent." Now, at the same time, I do believe these guys are, um, just by the nature of the business, and and as companies like Farmers and State Farm try to trim margins and they take money and commission dollars away from indep- or away from their agents, that will force them into that agency, the independent agency side. I think yeah. it's gonna force them to make a
0: decision. Yeah, no, it's certainly interesting. Um you know, because it's obviously a, I don't want to say hotly, you know, debated topic, but, you know, just the, just the idea that there's a, this sort of influx of, you know, a large sum of new independent agents. Um, I'm kind of curious how that mindset of a captive agent differs from maybe the experienced agent or the, the, the guy that, or the gal that has um, been brought up in that environment. What do you, do you think they have maybe an advantage in any way over the the person that has always been independent?
1: Um. So I think that sometimes being a little naive is a is an advantage, right? Um. You know when you're when you're raised in or you start out in the the old traditional independent agency where, you know, you've got a brick and mortar building and you've got, um, you know, you've got a, a staff person sitting at the front desk collecting all the calls and forwarding them around, and you've got this process that you've always gone through for years, um. You you teach the next generation that that process is the process that we use because it works. Well, these guys come in and they're uh, a lot of times naive and even under the point where it's hard for them to understand that if a sales representative from, let's say, Travelers or Safeco comes to visit you at your office, they're not coming out there to beat you up. Where at Farmers, it was, you know, if someone from the home office is coming to visit, they're typically coming to beat you up. <laughs> these guys are so naive. They don't even get that part of it, really. Um, I'm like, no, they're coming to help you. They want to figure out ways to help you write more policies. Um, so these guys are so naive that they, you know, they're, they're thinking outside the box. They're, they're, they're opening offices in mortgage companies. They're opening offices that, um, are, they're doing a lot of work virtual. You know, they're, um, they're, they're not necessarily work from home as much, but their staff people are virtual. They're leveraging things like, you know offshore support um there's uh, they're just thinking about things completely differently because they they don't have the preconceived idea that independent agencies are supposed to look a certain way and smell a certain way and act a certain way and like i said in the beginning it it's refreshing to see these new ideas and um and, and these guys are also so hungry they are researching digging around trying to figure out What's the next way to get in front of your clients, whether it's through some you know new piece on social media or it's um, you know some sort of a direct mail or direct email campaign, they're always trying to figure out what's the next thing that we do to get in front of more people?
0: yeah, interesting what what's the what's maybe something you've seen recently from from somebody making that transition? Um, where you're like, ah, I don't know if that's going to work, man. That's pretty out there. Like, how far out of the box has, have you seen somebody push it in terms of, you know, setting up their agency?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I really didn't put a lot of thought to It's, um, you know, I think one of the things right now, everybody's trying to figure out how to dial in and leverage social media to get their, um, to get leads in the office. And, yeah. um, I got a couple of guys that have leveraged click funnel campaigns a lot. Um, but then, you know, what's really cool is this one guy in particular, um, Vietnamese guy. And when I sit down and talk to him, he says, I can use Facebook, social media, click funnel campaign and focus my marketing to people that speak my language, literally speak my language. Yeah. And he goes, I'm, he goes, I have to turn off my campaign about once every seven or eight days because I don't have enough people here to work through all the leads that are coming in. And, um, I'm like, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, And then we see a lot of, you know, one of the other things that we've had a lot of success with here lately is um little things like just, to, you know, putting your office in a, um and, and establishing a partnership with like a mortgage company or a real estate office so that you're, you're the first person that a client might see or that a real estate agent might see because you're right there in their office. That's been pretty successful. That's not necessarily out of the box, but yeah. it's been, been some fairly successful stuff um and then uh, you know we have a lot of guys that come in and they're you know they they want to just buy leads off the internet or whatever and kind of because they're they're just scrambling trying to figure out what works next but I'd say the biggest thing things the click funnel campaign that's kind of the hot one right now
0: yeah um I mean just the idea and I think this is uh, do you think maybe we've we've underestimated or underserved the idea that um being very intentional with you know, languages uh, and just focusing on and having people that can communicate in those languages. If you want to, you know, focus on those demographics. I think, you know, where you know an agency might have, um, you know, a Spanish-speaking division, or you know, like you said, a guy that, um, is is going to focus in, in a bilingual atmosphere. Is that something that we have maybe underestimated the the actual pure potential of?
1: So, put it, uh, so that's a, the the way I see it is this. A lot of the new agencies that are, that are hungry. I mean, they're just trying to grow. They see that opportunity in the marketplace that I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be the go-to agent. If you're Vietnamese, I'm your go-to guy. Um, I've got a couple, I've got one Hispanic agent, um, in Dallas that if he, he has positioned himself that if you're Hispanic, I'm your go-to guy. There, they, there are some agencies out there that are levering, leveraging that. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you see, like, um, I, I worked on the company side. I worked at Travelers for a long time. And when I worked at Travelers on, in the personal insurance side, one of the things I saw was that the, the agencies that a company like Travelers seemed to respect the most was these agencies that have been around for a hundred years, that are third generation shops, that have, that employ, you know, 50 people, um, and they don't really take time to focus on a demographic like that. Yeah. Um, they just kind of do their same old thing that they've always done. I think that's where it really becomes underserved. Mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of these old school agencies, you know, they're, they'll, they'll probably, a lot of the agencies like that seem to be evolving into your commercial shops and letting the personal insurance piece go by the wayside and letting anything that doesn't kind of fit their mold go by the wayside. And that's where these other guys, these young guys that are hungry and that they see the, the opportunity by, by getting a little more laser focused on a demographic that, that they can literally speak the language of. Yeah. Puts them in an
0: Yeah. You know, I agree, man. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it quite a bit, um, lately with agents. And, you know, I mean, obviously it makes sense, right? Like it's probably one of the obvious things that. You know, again, like why, again, why didn't we see more of it before? But, right. um, at least we're here now. So that's good. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the, uh, the click funnel stuff. I mean, what, you know, cause everybody is all about, you know, how do I leverage, how do I put together, you know, a workflow, a funnel to where people can, you know, be introduced to who I am, what I do, and then kind of continue that journey in a way that is less, uh, labor intensive as the agent, um, and kind of just get them down that process. What, what have you guys been seeing? Um, in terms of that process, what, what's working, what's not, how long it's, you know, sometimes people make it out to be more than it is, I guess.
1: Yeah. And see, that's interesting because I struggled with understanding. I tried to overcomplicate the whole click phone campaign myself. Um, whenever this first time I sat down with an agent and began to ask questions about it, then came back and decided that I wanted to find a way to leverage the click funnel program to get in front of more farmers agents to find a way to get in front of more farmers agents so it took us a little time it took me a little time to to really research and digest and figure out what it's all about ordered a couple of books on it like paper books and was out of town for a few days and just kind of soaked my head in it um and once i kind of got all soaked into the deal i figured out it's not that hard it's it's, you know, developing a couple of very specific landing pages that tell your story. Um, you know, one of the steps that we're in right now is putting together a couple of videos that, um, that, that tell your message. And some of the things like that I even learned at Agency Nation, um, at the Elevate conference last year is that, you know, you know, what people are seeing when they come onto Facebook are they, you know, most videos get watched with the sound off. There's little things that you learn by just being part of that part of this group even that that you tie all these things together and become more effective but you know landing page has got a quick video that that talks that speaks to what you do literally speaks to what you do and they get to see a face um and then you know not dropping all your information out there but enough to get the interest of someone to collect their data and collect their information um we finally got it all dialed out and we're actually going to launch our first uh click funnel campaign should hit should be ready to launch on Monday um to farmers, state farm and all state agents. And we're actually targeting um you know four or five states out in the Midwest. So or out, out, I'm sorry, not in the Midwest, out in the Southwest area. So Southwest United States, we're gonna be targeting them with a uh pretty intense click funnel campaign. So it's a matter of leveraging, you know, what we know about people on Facebook, getting the ads in front of people, getting the marketing out there and and it's just a, it's it's really a simple two or three step process. But one and once you put it into place, it's not that hard. But um, it's uh, there's a lot of people out there that do overcomplicate the thing. They do overcomplicate it.
0: Well, I mean, if you can't overcomplicate something, what can you do, Greg? Really, right? <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. And see, I'm the I'm typically the once. I'm typically the kind of guy that if I have an idea, it's usually more simple than it needs to be and someone else will come in and to add a little to it. This is one that I just couldn't understand. And, and maybe it's just because of the name ClickFunnel. I was trying to envision something different than what it really was. But right now, to me, that seems to be like, it seems like the hot space to be in to drive, really aggressively drive, um uh, prospects into your agency. Uh you know when I started this business um back in nineteen ninety-four with um I was a, I started out at Farmers and by nineteen ninety-six I was a district manager at Farmers. You know, back then you could hang your hang a sign on the street corner and if you're in a no matter what neighborhood or town you're in, you go coach a couple of kids, you know, athletic teams and get involved in a couple of community organizations and your phone starts ringing. Um it doesn't really work. You still have to do those things today, but those things won't aggressively grow you a business today. And then we went through that window of time where people discovered that, you know, mortgage brokers can send you a lot of leads. And when the housing market was in a huge boom, life was good. Um, that still kind of exists, but it's not the thing that'll grow you a big huge shop. So now that the the new thing on the street is this click funnel social media marketing. Um and I don't know I'm just I wish I was the guy that was smart enough to figure out what's going to be next but I don't know <laughs> that I'm I'm that guy. Um I
0: well, I mean since you brought us here Greg, I mean let's let's have a little fun and play here. Um I mean where where do you think maybe some of the smart money should be being invested right now to something that isn't the hot ticket. Yeah, I don't
1: know I mean that's that is a I I still think that right now um investing your advertising dollars and your marketing dollars your exposure um needs to be across social media um and it, and I think it's got to include you know Instagram, Facebook, um and I don't know that much about Twitter but Instagram and Facebook Instagram marketing is becoming you know everything I've read that's it's really and it may not be becoming it was probably already there but it's a it's a place where you need to be you need to be. You need to have your name out there. You can get a, in front of a lot of people with the Instagram marketing piece. Facebook, you know, Facebook's really it's really generational because I've got kids that are in their early twenties and and uh, they don't they don't play on Facebook that much. Yeah. So my youngest he gets on Facebook once a week and he might post something here and there, but uh, that generation's not the Facebook generation. They're Snapchat generation. So now you got to figure out. How do I get in front of people on Snapchat? Because he is on Snapchat all the time. And, um, you know, then you got the 50 year old guy that, uh, like me that, you know, we're on, I'm on Facebook a couple of times a day checking things out and it's something you kind of had to learn. So I think the next generation coming up, you got to see what the next social media piece is. And, and the other thing is, is that I, I, I believe that whatever your marketing is, is it has to be something that that, uh, is easily visible on a mobile device because that's where everybody's, it's where everybody gets their information these days. It's whatever scrolls through on their cell phone.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. That's, I would, I would agree. A lot of that certainly makes sense. What about, what about just personal insurance in general? I mean, we talked a little bit about, you know, being focused, being specific. Uh, does, is there room for the, we're just going to write any and all personal lines insurance agent. Is that a safe place to be or, or where do you think, you know, where are you telling captives to go now? Like, like where, where is their focus should be? Like where they build it? Where, where's the best place to start building that book? Um, or making a transition if needed?
1: Um, so I think that kind of getting back to what we talked about earlier, you got to figure out what makes sense where your natural market falls, right? Um, you know, I've got a guy that still does a ton of business. Um, from real estate and mortgage company referrals, he came over from the captive world and um immediately, you know, he was up to writing a hundred policies a month within 90 days of making that transition and hasn't yet to go back to the old book that he had at farmers. Um And so I tell him like, dude, if that's what works for you, then you should be investing your dollars in that. The thing I think people where people fail is that you know, they decide they want to they want to leverage mortgage company referrals or they want to re- leverage a referral campaign within their own office or they want to do an internet marketing program or they want to leverage Facebook. So they'll say, all right, I'll do Facebook. Well, it's free. I can go in and set up a my own business page and then I can start posting some things on it and then I should start getting leads. Or they say, you know, I'll go talk to three or four of my real estate buddies or a mortgage worker buddies and see if they'll start sending me some needs. But unless you have a very specific structured marketing program that you're going to follow, none of those things will work. And that's one of the things that we do at agents Alliance is We help our guys and we walk them through figuring out what makes sense to them and then helping them, you know, put some meat behind it. So that way they've got a documented program that they can follow. um, The guy that does the real estate and mortgage referrals, he's got the coolest program out there and one of the most fun programs out there because every Tuesday and every Thursday night, um, he's hosting a happy hour. I say everyone there for a while. Now he may be doing it once a week, but he hosts a happy hour for, and he brings in, you know, seven or eight mortgage guys, seven or eight real estate guys, seven or eight, um, loan closing people all to the same place. So there'll be 20 people in the room. There'll be one insurance agent. That's him. Um smart marketing. Those guys all get to network and talk to each other between the real estate and the mortgage and the closing companies, the title companies. They get to leverage and and, and work, you know, in little groups of five, six, seven people and figure out who's gonna who they want to network with and who they want to do business with. Um and once a month he brings that same group back together. And he's got half a dozen of these groups that he goes around his, and that's where he he invests his money in happy hours and you know what that's your thing you enjoy doing that and you can invest your money in a happy hour and turn it into a something that generates a profit for your business why wouldn't you do that um so i think that where people miss the mark a lot of times is they're not investing money back into marketing um you know there's a lot of folks out there today that are trying to buy books and the price of a buying a book has gone up so much and I explained it to a person in the day. It's an acquisition cost of, I said, you'd be willing to spend two times the 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 revenue on a piece of business to buy it versus you wouldn't spend. So if it's something that generates $200 in commission, you're really willing to spend $400 to get that piece of business, but you wouldn't invest 30 bucks in buying a lead or, or going into a, or maybe a couple hundred dollars into a Facebook marketing campaign that might, Generate you 20 pieces of business. Um, and when people start to look at it like that, it kind of puts it into a different perspective that I think that insurance agents just think that marketing should be kind of sweat equity and, and, and really you can invest some money into that and the sweat equity is, can be a lot less and or you can capitalize on that a lot better.
0: All right, Greg, last question and it's going to be, um, it's going to be a good one, but it's a slight twist. So you've been in the business a long time, right? You've seen it from a couple of different angles. Um, what is one thing that you think has changed the most that maybe people aren't yet willing to accept that, um, can really leverage, uh, you know, business moving forward? Like what's the thing that, that, um, you know, people haven't really fully accepted as it's not that way anymore?
1: Hmm. <laughs> You're right. That is a good one. Um, the one thing that people haven't accepted as change. Um you know and I'm going to tie this back to my days' working at travelers um I think one of the things that we're that we tend to not pay attention to is that the companies have evolved carriers have evolved um they've evolved into being very specific in what they want to write, so um used to you might feed a traveler's in a safe coat um. They've gotten very specific in the business that they want these days. And so, you know, used to an independent agency might have one, two or three carriers that they really fed, they really took care of. And then the rest of them, they just kind of didn't pay any attention to. But I think in today's market, um, the technology that is available has allowed insurance companies to really hone in on what they, what, what segments of business they want. So we're used to, you might need, you might be able to, to, Keep one, two, or three companies happy. Today, you gotta find a way to keep seven, eight, or ten companies happy because, you know, company A may be very interested in, in homes that are valued up to, you know, say three quarter of a million dollars, $750,000. But if it goes over that, then they have nothing to do with it. So you need company B for a, a home that's in the next range. Um, anybody that's got a ticker in an accident might not fit with company A even though they had the high value home and they might have to go to company B. So, you know, used to two, three carriers is what would be kind of the, the stable in an independent agency. Sometimes four, you'd have other things that, but there were things you really didn't pay attention to today. You need to really maintain a strong relationship with eight or 10 carriers because they've very, they've laser focused in on the business that they want as well. Um I don't know. Maybe I, That's the first thing that comes to mind when you ask me that question. There's probably, when we hang up from here, there are probably a dozen other things that, that, uh, go through my mind as well. But that's kind of the first thing that goes through my mind.
0: Yeah. Change is, change is inevitable. That is for sure. Um, and, and I think that speaks to the entire conversation that we've kind of had. Um, Greg, man, I appreciate the time. It's been a blast. Um, thanks for, thanks for talking.
1: Hey, you bet. Appreciate it.